Well, speaking of money, we have wanted uh, for a long time to get to talk with the the host of This Week in Wealth, Sunday mornings at 6.30, and I'm actually up at 6.30 on Sunday mornings. Yes. And I am, I am listening. Well, apparently she's watching the market right now, and it's very, very busy, and it's been very positive because it has continued to rise this afternoon. So we're going to spend a couple minutes talking with the host of, of that show because Elise said she wants to talk about, you know, this is the fourth week in a row that we're looking at the markets looking good. So... When she's cut loose and she can join us, we will talk with her. And we can do that right now. Hey, Elise, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you both? Good. I had visions of you watching the market right now because the afternoon numbers are looking good, aren't they? Oh, my gosh. The Dow, I can't believe it. It suddenly popped right up. Uh, NASDAQ as well. There's been a lot of conversation about whether... We're in uh, some sort of a bear bounce, uh, where you know a bear bull, mm-hmm. where we're getting this um, kind of upturn. And there was a co- lot of conversation today in the market about whether it's actually going to go down, or maybe, maybe because the economic news seems to be turning, going right up. Is this like the fourth week that we're looking at positive news? I think it is, or it's actually the third out of the fourth week that it uh-huh. looks like we're going to end in positive territory, but. You know, having such a good week of inflation numbers, I think, has given people some confidence that um, maybe this isn't, uh, you know, going to go south for a while. Are there any particular performers that that surprise you? And I'll just tell you personally, looking at the market today, I was a little surprised to see that Apple was doing so well. You know, my feeling about Apple, uh, and this goes back to um, the spring quarter when we were things were so down, and it was announced that Warren Buffett had bought a very, very significant yes. stake. Um, you know, the feeling was, you know, this is a. Some people, the naysayers, were like, "Well, this is a company that hasn't come out with anything new in a long time," and so you know, Apple's really done. And then it was like, well. It's Apple. Even though it looks like everybody's already bought a cell phone that's going to have one or a smartphone, they're going to have a few other little things. And so that's good. I think some of the things to watch, though, are the job slashing that's starting to go on. We haven't seen Mm -hmm. this in a long time, but Peloton announced it was cutting uh, 780 jobs. Um, They were closing stores. They're trying so hard to uh, get to a profit stance. But other companies as well are starting to announce layoffs. Elise, did you see the video that that went viral of the boss, the CEO, that videoed in close-up himself weeping as he talked about letting his employees go? I mean, you got to have a heart of stone not to watch this and feel for <laughs> this guy. I, did, did you see this? I did see it. And, and you know, I... It's nice that as a, as a CEO of Best Money Moves, every time you have to let somebody go, it's like letting a friend go. So I get how tough that is, but I'm not sure what it does for everybody else, right? This was, um, I, you know, you, everybody's going to experience firing people in a different way. It's never easy to do, and clearly he was um, brokenhearted about it. But there are a number of different kinds of experiences that we've watched CEOs um, letting people go. And now that people just record these meetings, if you're firing a mass number of people, you're typically doing it by video. Hmm. People record it. I think that um, you definitely want to work with your HR department on how the message and the script is going to go down. 
And if you don't want to be known as the crying CEO, don't take a close-up of yourself in video. Well, but, but better the crying CEO than the heartless CEO. Or the smug CEO. So, yeah, that's yes, true. Yeah, if yes, you have to make a choice. Right. You don't want to be the, the smug CEO. That is really a bad look. <laughs> At least, Forever. Elise Glink is spending a few minutes with us talking about the market today, and you can catch her on Sunday mornings at 6.30. She's the host of This Week in Wealth, and there's more financial news to cover. But let's find out about the weather and traffic, and here's Mary. You know what? We're just going to dump out of this because, uh, Steve, you've got some... Uh, just some a moment, just for a moment, Steve. Um, I, I can tell you now that the judge has agreed with the Justice Department to release the contents of this warrant and the uh, receipt uh, of what was taken from the uh, president's home in Mar-a-Lago. So uh, the Justice Department said a few minutes ago, several minutes ago, that Trump lawyers would not object to it. They were in court. The court has agreed now to release this warrant. Now, it, it, clearly it's been... Uh, released to some news outlets already. We're hearing about what's in it, but we will be able to read it, I would imagine, word for word, uh, unless some of it is redacted, coming up very shortly, This uh, the search warrant and the receipt of documents taken from Mar-a-Lago will be released according to a federal judge. And I would uh, assume, and never assume, you know what that does, but uh, that uh, regardless of, of the networks, that we should probably be able to see these documents probably by the end of the day? Well, we'll see the warrant, yeah. we won't. I mean, the, the ABC's reporting they took 27 boxes of documents, 11 sets of what they're calling classified information, mm-hmm. um, some binders, books of photos, and things such as that. We obviously won't see that until... We may never see that. I mean, it may well be that the Justice Department decides that there's not a chargeable offense here, and it mm-hmm. all just goes away. But otherwise, it would be during trial or discovery, things such as that. The warrant, uh, I'm already seeing pictures of it. So yes, we will see that coming up. Okay. Steve Bertrand, more coming up uh, as it happens. Stay with us on WGN Radio. But we're, we're talking about... Your money. Yes, we've got Elise Glink with us for a few minutes. Uh, she is the host of This Week in Wealth, and you can catch her on Sunday mornings, bright and early at 6.30 in the morning. Elise, um, I just came across a piece of information about the S&P 500. It's risen above a key technical level for a second day, and if it closes there, that historically could be a signal that stocks have already bottomed. What's your take on that? You know, I'm a longer term sort of thinker when it comes to stocks. I it's funny and people are always like, "Oh, you know, what should we get in now? Should yeah. we get out now?" You know, I want you to start thinking in not even just 5-year terms, but you know, 10 and 20 years. So, I co-host the This Week in Wealth show with Tom Fortino and he is always saying, you know, there's never been a 20-year losing streak. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. 20 years, you know, you're going to make money in the stock market historically. Of course, past I'm going to remember that. There's right? never been a 20-year losing streak. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm gnashing my teeth and weeping. You know? and, and I get it when you get a little bit older and you're a little closer to retirement. And you think about it and you think, oh, my goodness. But Nobody today should be thinking they're 65 and completely cashing out of the market because the odds are you're going to live to be to your mid-80s or your mid-90s. And actually, uh, you know, my kids all have a 50-50 chance of living way past 100. So Mm -hmm. 65 is, you know, middle age now, folks. So don't 
Don't Thank sell you. all, right? <laughs> <laughs> Again, there's so many things I'm going to take from this conversation when I'm aching all over. <laughs> 65 is not old, really, folks. What, well, are, what, what are some of the other things, that uh, stories from this week that really were on your radar? Well, one of the things that was on my radar is that we actually had a really good week for inflation numbers. So we saw that the import prices fell more than expected. Um, that was good news for consumers, right? Because hopefully you're not going to get crazy, you know, jump ups in prices. We saw gas prices have come down, which is pretty nice because I got to go fill up the car uh, at Costco over <laughs> the weekend. <laughs> And um, we also are seeing that, you know, at the retail level as well, you know, pricing is, is sort of moderating. And so overall, the inflation number, you know, is still high, right? It was still, you know, over 8%, but it's certainly not over 9%. And if you look at the other sort of major industrialized nations in the world, they're seeing inflation far above where we are in this country. And, uh, but it's now seems to be headed in the right direction. So like with the stock market, um, I think they're thinking that maybe uh, inflation is going to be down. People have a little more cash in their pockets to spend. Their market is being bought up again. Uh, that's probably the case. Is the reality of life in 2022, does that make looking at all of these uh, stock market historical precedents a little different and and i'll give you an example of what i'm talking about uh the supply chain disruption that we have been dealing with for the past year or so that the, the stuff is out there people want to buy it they can't get it how does something like that have an impact on the market well i let's just let's just say a truthism something real right mm-hmm. we've ne- we have nobody alive except maybe this one woman has experienced a pandemic before <laughs> mm-hmm. like this is all new territory and we've certainly never had a pandemic um as a global economy right i mean mm-hmm. spanish flu was a pandemic but right. we weren't really flying all over the world back then at the drop of a hat we mm-hmm. are today it's a global news cycle it's a global everything and so this is new and and the way that it rolled out the way that we now have so much of our production in Asia, for example. And Asia got hit worst. It got hit first. Uh, I don't know about worst, but first. And everything shut down. It created this thing. And I think what we've all learned is that supply chains take a long time. They can get messed up really fast. And then they take a long, long, long time to unwind. And we're still seeing that. So, so much of different pieces, this is the other part of it. It's not just that a whole window is made in China, but pieces of the window, mm-hmm. pieces of the car might be made in China mm-hmm. or in Vietnam. They have to be shipped over here, right? So there's a fight, you know, amongst that. Then things get caught up at the ports. And finally, it's, oh, I've been waiting for this for a year, whatever that is, whether it's windows mm-hmm. for your house or a door jam or you know, a piece for a car. So I think that we are now starting to see that loosen up a bit in different ways, shapes, and forms. And we're starting to see production take place in different parts of the world because people are realizing it's not a good idea to outsource everything to one quadrant of the universe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're going to see a change. I'll tell you what is concerning to me, though, and I know we just have a minute left, but some of the new things that I've been watching as the CEO of Best Money Moves, my financial wellness company, are the numbers of people who are living paycheck to paycheck in this country. And so yep. last year, the year before, we saw government hand out a lot of cash. People 
cut back on their spending. And so we really saw bank accounts rise. Well, now here we are in 2022, and we have the highest amount of credit card debt that we've ever had, surpassing 2019. 58% of Americans are living functionally paycheck to paycheck. 20, uh, 33% of people earning $250,000 a year or more are in the same boat. Hmm. And so those numbers are terrifying to me because I think it really, if we aren't going into a recession, a lot of people are sure feeling it. Well, one final question for you, Elise. A uh, listener wanted to know if we can expect, in your opinion, can we expect the feds to raise the rates again, the interest rates? Uh, I think we will see them raise interest rates. Yeah. Until we see inflation numbers come down maybe to the 3 or 4% level, mm-hmm. they are going to do what they can to force it down. And we're already seeing the impact of that, right? Because the housing market seems to be hitting a brick wall. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting to see uh, a big slowdown in terms of you know people buying different kinds of large ticket items. So that's going to allow the supply side to catch up, as you were asking about. Uh, but I do think we're going to see at least another jump. And that is going to cost people because if you, you're carrying credit card debt, boy, it's those interest rates are jumping. Yeah. So be prepared to pay more. Devastating. Pleasure talking with you, Elise. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. You too. You too, Elise. And you can catch her on Sunday morning at 6.30 this week in Wealth right here. It's on so Delphi. nice to know somebody else is awake at Sunday morning. <laughs> 6.30. Other than me. I, right here. I love that. We've got a whole lot coming up. In the uh, in the next hour, we're going to take you out to Beetlefest. Mm-hmm. Our uh, resident Beatleologist for many, many years, Wally Pedrajek, he's written umpteen books on the Beatles. He'll be joining us, uh, and we've got a lot more coming up, so stay with us. The news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom.